I bid you welcome. I want to play a game. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. Let them see what kind of a person I am. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Hey folks, my name is Will. My name is Yaz. And welcome to the Monster Monday podcast. This is the weekly podcast where myself and Yaz talk about a horror movie every single week. And Yaz, why do we talk about horror films? Because the monsters in film aren't as scary as the monsters in real life. And thanks for listening to last week's episode, which was a bit of a random free-form discussion, because last week was Yaz's birthday. And since recording that episode and recording this one, Yaz has actually had a birthday. So happy birthday to Yaz. I've still got a bit of... A bit of birthday cake here, a bit of dinosaur birthday cake. Um, I like how in the slices we mean you have cut out, we've avoided cutting into the dinosaur itself. He's cute. It's the very cute T-Rex dinosaur. We'll eventually get to the dinosaur though. Uh, but it's been a pretty busy week for both of us, hasn't it? That's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? Do we do we delve into all a of very the stressful week? Do we delve into all of the drama or? Uh, we can we can loosely talk yeah. about it. Basically, we got a COVID scare. We yeah, we got pinged by track and trace, uh, which was very fun. Uh, we had to sort out different things with our workplaces to get tests and to see whether or not we can go back. Thankfully, it came back negative, but it is just a random random two day scare that we had, um, wasn't it? It was very scary. Yeah, huge meltdowns and stuff. Yes, we, so we decided to watch. Uh, a, uh, a Spanish language horror film in order to try and calm ourselves down really uh, as is the nature of this we also, I know this isn't a horror film strictly speaking, uh, we watched Borat, uh, the, the sequel today didn't we? I've, I've seen it three times now Okay, okay. Uh, I, I watched Borat 2 today this was like third time watching it Yeah. and there were times watching that I was under the covers just <laughs> cringing and sinking deeper and deeper into the sofa as as the horror that was that film in a, a good horror a good in a way, way yeah. a good way Very, it's it's brilliant satire yeah it was Oh my goodness! It li- it lived up to the hype. That was very very. Yeah, good. I actually think it's better than the first one. I need to revisit the first one. I've literally not seen it for at least ten years. I've no idea if if it holds up. I'm sure everyone's seen that um, took in the shirt in clip. Exactly. It was entirely <laughs> innocent. Um, uh, mm. Mm, yes <laughs> or not uh, that's that's the real horror just, just hotel rooms that's where the real horror takes place apparently in, in journalists hotel rooms and things like that with creepy old men yeah mm. okay so let's move uh, let's move topics to today's one because this was pretty fortunate because last week we actually brought this one up during our normal discussion and then at the end we spun the wheel and we landed on Veronica which is directed by uh, Paco Plaza uh, screenplay by Fernando Navarro and we watched this a couple of years ago when it first dropped on Netflix yeah it was it was in one of them clickbait articles that was like the scariest horror film on Netflix. Mm, people, people are, are fainting. turning it off. They're fainting watching this film. People mm. can't make it through. And we was like, challenge accepted. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And whilst, um, well, we made it through to the end. We survived. Mm-hmm. It wasn't terrifying, but it is a very good film. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I think kind of made it really impactful to so many people watching it is that it really hinges itself the the film bookends with the 
the statements, the idea that this is based on true events, that this is an actual paranormal event that took place in the early 1990s in Spain. Uh, and I would like to save that part of the discussion for after we've talked about the film and the plot and everything, where we talk about our roundup at the end, the actual alleged true story behind this, because I've got some theories about this, because okay. I've done some deep diving, I've done some journalistic research. For um, once. For once, I contacted many people, I contacted many journalists, many paranormal investigators, and they all told me the same thing. They said, it's just a movie, please stop talking. Uh, so, we're going to yeah, talk... Yeah, I'll probably say that to you as well. Yes, exactly. So, um, <laughs> what we're going to do is that we're going to break down the plot of Veronica, and we'll find out just whether or not this is a story worth taking seriously. So the movie opens in Madrid, Spain in 1991. A quick pinpoint in this, I wrote this down. To be precise, the 15th of June, 1991, Mm. a year later, an annoying creature was born on that exact date. Oh, now, (laughs) you may think that's just a coincidence, but folks, (laughs) one year after some supernatural stuff happened in Spain and my birth, the things are, com- are clearly linked together. That's exactly what we're at, what Yas is implying here. Yeah, that annoying creature was our very own host, mm. Will. Exactly. What that, maybe it could have been linked because I was uh, born several weeks early. So maybe some strange event on the other side of the world jolted me into what, like a year before? Exactly. Yeah. Well, it take you know, it's like daylight savings and everything and time zones. It takes a while for it to get to me. We're still in Europe. We are. Anyway, we we are still in Europe. So. So it's 1991 and uh, we hear a young girl talking to an emergency dispatcher over the phone asking for help, claiming that something is coming to get them. And the police car turns up and I loved the GoPro shot where they've got it attached to the side of the car and you see the reflection in the car's wing mirror of the driver. Mm. And it changes from a static GoPro shot on the side of the vehicle to a handheld shot as the police get out of the car. This is a really well shot film. Yeah, um, I really, really like the opening of this film. Mm. I like that the phone call is intermittent mm-hmm. um, as you see the following the police into their investigation before it starts it all off i like that we start at the end of the film at the beginning of the film yeah it makes sense well yeah it's a it's a good hook uh we see it from the official capacity like the police call the police statements things like that before we go back and learn about everything leading up to this and i think it's really cool to tell it via the police report mm. rather than like found footage or stuff like that it's a really nice way of telling this story yeah um you know because it it pops up on screen this is the events are told via the lead detective's report yeah and like because this could have been a found footage film director paco plaza he kind of made a name for himself outside of uh, outside of spain for directing the rec films that's really good i, I think rec didn't that predates paranormal activity by maybe yeah, a year or two I think so. yeah no, i don't I don't know. Either way, it's before Quarantine, because Quarantine is the American remake. Yes, it is. And Paranormal Activity came 
Uh, oh, it came, I think, maybe a couple of months after Wreck. Uh, so it, it's around that same time span when found footage movies, after the Blair Witch, which we covered a few episodes ago, started to hit into the mainstream even further towards the end of the 2010s. The police investigate the property as the girls scream before hanging up the phone so they've been disconnected from the dispatcher. Police arrive at the apartment, finding the place completely trashed, and they're horrified by something happening off-camera in one of the bedrooms. And then we cut to black, and on-screen text claims that this story is based off of a real police investigation. So this is... This isn't found footage, this is this is a found police report, and this is going to be a retelling of that report. And then we cut to three days later, with Veronica, played by Sandra Escasina, and I apologise for any names I mispronounce and get the, get these names wrong. So she gets out of bed, wakes up her younger siblings, younger sister Irene, played by Claudia Placer, youngest sister Lucia, played by Bruna Gonzalez, and younger brother, the cutest brother, with the really cute, oh, like, very cute. circular glasses, uh, Antonito, played by Ivan Chavero. And um, Antonito wet the bed again last night. Yeah, but he's only a bubby. He's only a little bubby, and he is the cutest little kid. <laughs> he's got big cheeks, he's got the cutest glasses, he's got cute short curly hair. I don't want a single bad thing to happen to this kid. So as Veronica watches her brother's bed sheets, she stops and stares at a teenage girl dancing in her apartment on the other side of the road before getting distracted by a cooking pot over boiling water as she has to make breakfast for her siblings and get them ready for school. So she's... Yeah, this is the classic single parent household. Yes. Mum's working all the time. Big sister has to grow up before her time. She longs just to be a teenager and make reckless mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it all before, the, yeah. the the girl trope. Yeah, yeah, it's a trope, but I think it's still a really well-handled version of it. We're, we're visually told yeah, all of this it's, stuff. Yeah, it's probably very realistic as well, to be fair, mm-hmm. uh, in some cases. You know, a lot of people have to grow up before their time. Mm-hmm. So on uh, Veronica's way to the mother's bedroom, she picks up a cross that had fallen off of the wall and hangs it back up. She, oh. Yeah, red flag, red flag. Uh, she checks on her mother, Anna, played by Anna Torrent, who is fast asleep in bed, having worked a night shift to support the family after the recent death of their father. So yeah, this is a single mother household. Yeah, this is also a, um, a yearning, like obviously she's got, a, there's a big loss in her life and they're mm-hmm. all struggling. This probably sparks later events mm-hmm. as to why she takes part in what happens. Well, leading into that, Veronica goes through a memory box hidden in her mother's wardrobe and goes through old photographs. And she's getting. she says that she's getting a picture for a class project. It's going to be a picture of her dad and he's. Uh, it's a picture of him with a massive pizza like under his arm. Yeah. Um, and that takes us to the opening credits. So this is really another girl coming of age story, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, like your carries, um, the exorcist, like the fear of... For some reason... The, the world fears women coming of age yep. and growing up and awful things happen then, obviously, like you 
call the devil or demons. <laughs> you become a witch or something. Yeah, that's a point. It's this film... We can, we could get into this later when all the supernatural stuff happens, but is this film punishing women for just growing up? No, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessarily that. It's just it's a common theme within horror that women coming of age is represented as something scary, and that we're powerful. And I wish we were as powerful as these <laughs> films make out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's to do with. The, the change of the body isn't it because I mean I mean guys do go through a change but it's not a huge shift like the female yeah if, if you understand what yeah. I'm saying well men just like... typically get bigger hairier and smellier whereas uh, and your voice deepens well speak, uh, I, I do not speak on behalf of all men my voice actually didn't deepen until quite late actually um, but yeah, whereas whereas women go through many other like and we, more we start changes. a lot earlier as well. Yeah, more changes and earlier and faster and for longer. Yeah, yeah. But do you want to know what is uh, pretty uh, extreme in terms of changes and things that uh, Veronica likes? Her taste in music because she's listening to Spanish rock through her headphones. Yeah, I quite liked it. I was like, yeah, this would be me. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's listening to this music as uh, she walks her siblings to school, and I think. Like it, the film dedicates about a minute, a minute and a half to just this walk. This is clearly a very lengthy journey that they have to take every single day. I like that it was set in the nineties, you know. It, yeah, and yeah, it's it's got quite. Um, it gives it an interesting like vibe as well because it's 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 a different country. It's uh, from what these stories conventionally get told, and yeah, it's it's in the nineties as well. So it's just unless got, you're in Spain, uh, then no, of course, obviously it's not. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, and she's and the technology and everything and the fashion is very like 30, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. very nineties. Uh, don't say that. Uh. <laughs> it's very, I just might have given half of the audience an existential crisis. <laughs> uh, so Veronica drops uh, Antonito to the nursery, and he is just the, the cutest. cutest. Uh, he promises not to wet the bed tomorrow. And in Veronica's class, they make it to school. Uh, they're, they're learning about an upcoming solar eclipse, explaining the process, as well as its place in culture, where some societies would use the occasion of an eclipse to stage human sacrifices and talk to supernatural demons. Yeah, so the projectors, I'm sure we all had them at school, proper mm. old school. They were still using them at school when I was there. Yes. And we were... Bubbies in the in the nineties. Yeah, well, this I I remember these projectors still being used in the early two thousands. Those yeah, ones yeah. where it's the, the um, and you have to wheel it in, and it's like a light, and you open it, and you put the acetate under. Yeah, and it's got like um, the outlines and the black and white. Yeah. Like, well, the the black images on the on the plastic sheets and the yeah, it's I found it, I found it really fascinating. You can make little um, um, shadow creatures on it as well. Yeah. Also. Um, I like how they're being taught about um, sacrifices. It's just, they just so happen, maybe that's what they're taught in Spain. But um, Their curriculum's more hardcore. To, to find out about Mayan sacrifices, I had to actually look it up myself because I wasn't taught this. So I decided <laughs> to take it upon myself and read about it because mm. I've clearly always been a spooky bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and like... I had a giant encyclopedia. Um, I had three. There was one on nature, one on science, and a, like a huge just a big one in the world for children and I used to research it because it was gross and gory and mm. they had like diagrams of them chucking people off the um, 
the buildings. Ooh. I can't remember what they're called. The temples yeah. and, and stuff like that. Well, I, I've even got on my notes here that um, some of the slideshows that the, the class have been shown, pretty extreme. Uh, some really gory artist interpretations of the sacrifices but that took place. I think it's place. to instill that fear into you, isn't it? It's like, oh, we're going to go on a journey now. Yeah, exactly that. I think maybe they, they talk about... Um, in this film, they're talking about spirituality, like some uh, classes in some countries talk about sexual education. As in, don't do it, or you'll lose your body parts get and chlamydia die. And die. You'll get chlamydia you'll get and die. Pregnant. Get chlamydia and die. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, um, there's a bit of foreshadowing in this scene. Oh, do tell. As, um, when she's deciding to leave the classroom... The eclipse is over her heart. It is, yes. Oh. Now, yeah. Is that because she's broken because her dad's gone? Is that because she's going to be taken over? Mm-hmm. Who knows? We also can't rule out maybe the cinematographer on set saying, you know what, this is just going to be a really cool looking shot. We can't rule that out. That's a, that's a valid interpretation as well. But like this film does have very like over the top symbolism, but you know what? I dig it. It is. It's cool. I'm here for it. I, I like this film. Yeah. So at the end of class, Veronica meets up with her friend Rosa, played by Angela Fabian, and Diana, played by Carla Campra. As the as the rest of the school, they decided to make an organised event of the solar eclipse. They're going to go on I the mean, roof and watch fair, it. To be fair, do you remember when you was at school? Like, if there was ever a solar eclipse, like you have to get those special sunglasses out and look through them, like. Now, I don't recall Or, oh, like, a little hole in um, a piece of paper. I'm make... sure I did it like that. Well, you can make those um, uh, little homemade devices out of cereal boxes as long as you cut the patterns incorrectly. And, like, you cut the shapes in and the holes. And oh, you can... I thought ours was just a hole in a piece of paper. Well, like, you... I don't know how that works, but... Uh, well, um, I say that I, I only know that kind of from second or third hand because I never did anything like that at school. I don't recall ever doing anything like this as a, at really? school. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I did something like this. I'm sure I looked at an eclipse. There's, there's been, like, one eclipse when we were at school. I'm sure there was. Yeah. It was, like, a big thing. It was, oh, my God... The <laughs> I think the closest comparable thing cause, that just comes to mind now is that we'd all go outside, stand in a circle, and get under that multicolored like blanket thing. That we all, <laughs> like, I, I, looking back, that seems like something out of Midsummer. That seems like some sort of weird challenge. Where you run under it, yeah. and you have to make sure you don't run into somebody. That, actually, that sounds like a spooky premise for a horror film. You run under the colourful blanket, and, and you don't come back out. Into the ether. Exactly. Where did you go? Mm. Taste the rainbow. But yeah, I'm sure we did. Um, I'm sure we saw eclipses at, at school and stuff. I'm sure I made like a little circle paper thing to mm. look at it. See, maybe it did happen at my school. I just don't remember it happening. I thought you was going to say the closest thing to it is when we stayed up till like 3am to watch the blood moon. I And we were in my car, weren't we? We were sat in, we were car sat in my car. It was fucking it was freezing. freezing. <laughs> yes, I, I, I remember the temperature. <laughs> it was really cold, wasn't it? And it, it must be a few, it's a few years ago now because we've lived here for four years. So it, it must have been at been, least five years ago. Yeah, at least. So as the school watches the eclipse on the roof, the three girls, they sneak away to the basement with a Ouija board to conduct a seance. And this is the creepiest basement I've ever seen for a school. As in a school that's still like, operational and still having like day-to-day activity. This is like an abandoned school basement uh, with lo- just loads of creepy things just hiding there in the basement. And Veronica even brought a magazine with her, the Great Encyclopedia of the Occult. <laughs> and I know what I'm getting Yaz for Christmas now. <laughs> so Veronica, 
that she plans to talk to her father, which is why she snuck the picture out of her mum's room earlier, as you need a personal item to connect to the spirit of the afterlife. Understandable. Mm-hmm. And Diana wants to speak to her dead boyfriend, who died a few months ago in a motorcycle crash. The three, they gather around the board, place their hands on the planchette, which in this case is just an upside-down cup, and they're waiting for a sign as the solar eclipse begins in the sky. Um, yeah, so... The one note I have about that is, um, don't fuck with Ouija boards. Yes, don't. It never ends up. That is one thing I've never done. I just don't, I've just heard too many horror stories about it. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I just don't want to risk it. However, one game I did play, I don't know if you ever used to play this. Mm -hmm. Also, why do they have to play it in a dark, dingy basement? Because when I was a teenager, we used to play this, it's really stupid, a stone game. So you pick up three stones and throw them at each other. And we <laughs> we used to play, we used to play it in broad daylight on the street and supposedly talk to ghosts through these stones. All right? Yeah, I know it sounds batshit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if it landed in a triangle, I can't remember which way around. Mm-hmm. We'll say no. Okay. And if it landed in a straight line, it was yes. Okay. And we used to pretend we were talking to ghosts and roll. You roll the three stones. Okay. And then however it landed would be the answer to your question. So you could only ask yes or no questions to the spirits. Mm. See, that's the kind of stuff I was doing as a teenager. No, not, but it was in broad daylight. Yeah, not. But you you need the atmosphere. You need the you need a place, a dark place where you need to bring all the candles. Like they've made a proper setup of everything here. No, my house was haunted enough without me bloody inviting demons into it. It was, wasn't it? Like I remember, like the haunted drawer of your of your house as well the drawer that doesn't close oh no that that's no you've the, not been no. to the haunted house oh there's no. more than one yeah so that was just a weird phenomenon yeah um where the drawer just kept opening by itself mm-hmm. but that's not the house no it was the house before that i'm, I'm definitely certain i've okay. seen ghosts there mm. um i don't know if you'll all think i'm crazy but um it was a Everyone who went to that house thought it was haunted. Yeah. Um, I'm quite sad you didn't get to go there. No. But um, I used to hear a little boy and girl whispering in my bedroom, uh. and it would freak freak me out. <laughs> and I'd be like, "Mom, mom, there's, there's people talking in my room." She'd be like, "No, it's just the neighbours." Anyway, I found out when I was older that it actually wasn't the neighbours. She was just trying to tell me that to keep me calm, and she was freaking out herself. <laughs> no, so, she, she put a brave face on it. And um, one time, she saw a little boy on our stairs. And she had, like, people round. Yeah. And she thought it was my cousin. And so she said to my auntie, Oh, I didn't know you brought so-and-so here. And my auntie was like, I haven't. And so they were all like, Who the fuck is that little boy? Because <laughs> me and my brother weren't in the house at the time. Mm. Oh, and also, um, I saw a man in a top hat walk through the wall. And he was just a black shadow. And I thought I was dreaming. Yeah. But turns out my mum saw it too. And I was telling her that she only told me this when I was older, you know, and when we'd left the house. Mm. And she made me feel like I was crazy at the time. I was like, Mum, I, I saw this man. And I just, like, hid under the covers because, of course, the covers are going to save you from whatever freaky ghost is walking uh, around your yeah. house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so if... Listener, if you have your own supernatural experiences <laughs> that right now... I, I genuinely want to know because I feel like I've kind of missed out. I've not really had anything... Yeah, but I think people are going to think I'm crazy now. No. But, um, oh, this also happened to me in that house. Mm-hmm. So my great-granddad, I was lucky enough to meet um, two of my great-grandparents, and they were around 
for quite a while actually. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, my great granddad he died first, and um, I kept hold of the last birthday card he ever sent me. Mm-hmm. I think it was I must have been like thirteen, fourteen, and so when he died, I blue tacked it to my wall. So my bed was next to the wall, but there was a window there mm-hmm. as well. Um, that's important to note. Mm-hmm. So my bed was next to the window wall. Um, and then one night I was like looking up at the card and there was like these dazzling lights all over the area of that card. And yeah. obviously it's not light coming from outside because it was on the wall of the window. Okay. So the other wall was like, and I had no mirror on the other wall. Mm-hmm. So nothing was reflecting on it. There was nothing there for it to reflect on. Yeah. And it really scared me. So I turned round to stop looking at the lights and I had a chair next to the bed. Now I had a silky dressing gown on this chair and all of a sudden it started to crease into the shape of somebody sitting in that chair. Uh. That was it, I shit myself. I went right under the covers again. (laughs) (laughs) It was in the same haunted house. And then I was like, it's just granddad, it's just a great granddad, it's just him coming to say, you know, he's thinking I was still... Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this is why I don't mess with Ouija boards. Well, Too I, many creepy things will happen to me. Enough. I think we need to stop talking about Veronica now. We need to start by talking about <laughs> your... About my life. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we're, we're now going to talk about the 2020 film <laughs> Yaz. This is the English language film directed by a lot of ghosts. Um, anyway. I know. Anyway, back to Veronica. So, the planchette starts moving... Apparently without any of the girls' involvement. Because that's the whole thing. That's all. Did you move it? No, I didn't. No, no. Um, even though that's basically how the Ouija board works. Um, and when asked if the spirit wants to talk to anyone in particular, the planchette heads into the corner of the board closest to Veronica. And using the letters uh, around the circumference of the board, it spells out SPY, S-P-Y, before moving erratically around the board with only Veronica's finger on the glass. ¿Quieres hablar con Verónica? ¿V? ¿E? O. Veo. ¿Ves? ¿Qué ves? Una cosita. Joder, eres gilipollas. Gilipollas eras tú, sé perfectamente que le estás moviendo. As the moon covers the sun in the sky, the glass quickly heats up, burning Diana and Rosa's fingers, but Veronica is unaffected and appears to be in some kind of trance. At the moment of total eclipse, the glass shatters, freaking out the two other girls, but Veronica remains motionless, her now bleeding finger dripping blood on a sun symbol on the board. On the roof, a blind nun clearly feels the disturbance, and back in the basement, a candle falls over on top of the occult magazine, setting it on fire, but the girls manage to put it out, and they find Veronica laying unconscious on the floor and whispering to herself. Of course there's a blind nun. I'm telling you, nuns are the scariest thing. Mm -hmm. They they freak me out. What's scarier than a nun? Nothing, nothing scarier than that. More nuns. More, (laughs) More nuns and blind ones. So... Uh, Diana tries to hear what Veronica's whispering to herself, but Veronica's body sits violently upright and lets out a demonic scream as the lights start flickering around her. This moment is also the film's poster. If it's really s- cool, that shot. It is, yeah. If you've seen the film's poster, this is the shot, this is the moment of it. It's, it's a really cool moment. The eclipse is now over, and Veronica wakes up in the school nurse's office, receiving a checkup, having apparently fainted. 
The nurse tries to determine whether or not she's diabetic or on her period, and chalks up the fainting to an iron deficiency and a low blood sugar level. And Veronica, despite being 15, has not had a period before. Which, um... It's quite strange, I'm going to say. Yeah, I think that's quite late. It is, uh, yeah. I think um, that's why it's like well, I made don't a... say, I think. It's quite late yeah. on. Yeah, it's it's why it's... Um, I wouldn't say they make a big deal of it, but the nurse does do a bit of a double take. Like, oh, you, oh okay. You've not had yeah, that is, that is quite late. But if you are 15 and haven't had your period yet, don't worry. Mm-hmm. It'll come along. It can take up to till you're 16 or mm. even later. Mm-hmm. Some develop earlier... And some develop later. I unfortunately was cursed at a young age. D- dare I ask? Twelve. Okay. Um, so, I don't even know why I said dare I. I that, it's just a stigma. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, Periods are natural. And we should definitely talk about them more. Then maybe there won't be so many fucking horror films about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you need, you need to reclaim, reclaim the event, <laughs> basically. Because um, it's very traumatic as a twelve-year-old oh, okay, to go through that. Well, especially <laughs> if you don't know what's happening. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about this film one day, but it's like Carrie, and you've yeah, got this, exactly. This but teenage... thankfully, um, my parents were not religious fucking Fruit Loops. Yeah, and <laughs> actually talked to me from a very young age about it, so I wouldn't be scared. <laughs> yeah, so like those of you who might not know the plot of Carrie, you know, teenage girl from a very repressed. Uh, conservative religious family she's not told that this thing's going to happen to her so when it happens to her in uh, in a shower at school like after sports after PE uh, she has no idea what's happening and she's she's frightened understandably yeah, yeah and thinks she's going to die yeah, she's, and then all the other girls laugh at her yeah it's like if, if all of a sudden you're just bleeding and you have no idea what's happening you, you, you could think of course you're, you're going to freak you, out you could think you're dying or something you yeah. just don't know but thankfully, it's not as scary when you're prepared and you're told what's going to happen to you. Because you're waiting for that moment then. Because mm-hmm. you know it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And this is why... Um, this is why period education is important yeah. for both male and female. Yeah, sex education. And we need to prioritise that in the curriculum along with occult and solar eclipse uh, education. Because <laughs> uh, it's all linked, apparently. Exactly, yeah. This is why we do back-to-back classes now. This is why we should have... This is what should be the curriculum. <laughs> Don't put me in charge of education, please don't. And just for that vintage uh, throwback in education, I will have every classroom have one of those old-fashioned projectors. One of the ones where you can do the shadow puppets on it. Every classroom gets one of those. Can you not do them on the new ones? Because that's still a bright, Um, shining light. You could, but they're normally in the ceiling and you have to try and jump up to do it. Yeah, I suppose so. Exactly. I, I just want as little as possible getting in between me and the shadow puppets. Um, so Veronica meets her sisters outside the school at the end of the day and makes them promise not to mention the injury on her hand, the cut. They even sing a little rhyme about it. This is why I think it's a coming of age story because obviously she's questioned on a period. She's linked to the occult. We're very often um, linked with um, in history being witches and stuff like that. If you get and like your period, it's a sin. We're born sinners. Was it you who I think it, you? reposted that Instagram meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like pointing at the screen and it's like men in the 16th century where a woman appears oh witch just pointing <laughs> yeah, she just she goes um I think and they go witch, witch <laughs> yeah witch. it was me <laughs> um, feminism isn't just for women guys mm, um it's for Leonardo DiCaprio as well <laughs> He can, Just him. he can date however young he wants to. No, that's wrong. In all seriousness, though, no um, actual feminism should be for everyone. But 
Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, uh, the feminism is also for the blind nun called, <laughs> called Sister Death, who's watching Veronica <laughs> as she leaves. Is it Death? You watch this with subtitles, it's Sister it's, Death. It D-A- D-E-A-T-H. Sister yeah, Death. I was like, oh, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. Why is she Sister Death? Is it because she's close to death? Uh, well, I think it's a nickname that... Because she's freaky. She's freaky, but uh, we meet her again later and she she knows what her nickname is and she kind of leans into it. She's like, I'd rather be called Sister Death than my actual boring name. Yeah, Whereas, that's kind of cool. She, yeah, she's cool. And she's not scary because she's blind. Let me clear that up. No, she's, no, she's, just, she's just got this very domineering presence yeah, well, and she just appears silently everywhere yeah and she's also scary because she's a nun in a horror film yeah and, and nuns are very scary in horror films uh, so on the way home the, the girls they visit their mother because uh, she's working at a cafe or a bar um, it seems like a 24 a 24 hour place because we see her there at night as well she seems like a very busy busy place yeah and there's a really rude customer he's like bring me my dessert yeah. and I'm like hang on she's serving somebody coffee wait your turn sir I also see this in like American like diners and stuff when you get like the waitresses who like just freely pour coffee and do top ups and stuff like that no and she it... was actually taking them over she'd literally mm. just made one in the machine oh yeah yeah but, but, I, but I'm on about like a, this behaviour of like customers who were like hey where, where's Where's my where's my bacon sandwich? Uh, that's my, that, that's <laughs> that? that, that's my American diner customer impression. Uh, but when you, like, I, I'm sure like in the UK you'll get your occasional Karen. Like I demand to speak to the manager, please. Um, but you're not gonna get. Um, I, you don't get that attitude here. It's more just a quiet contempt, as opposed. It's a it's a seething and ang- quiet seething anger. Like, well, why have they got their food before me? Because oh. I ordered before them. Oh, but yeah, and it's also the whole. Oh, it's okay. It's, I'm so sorry, but the, this is this is coming to me cold. The plate's cold. Can yeah, I'm really really sorry. Really yeah, passive aggressive, uh... right? Politeness. I don't. I don't know what's worse. Um, oh, we just sit there and tuck. I'm gonna. I'm only gonna leave. Sit a... there moaning about it. I'm gonna get up in a minute, yeah. and then they come over. How is everything? Oh, it's oh great. great. Oh, thank you. Oh, don't worry about the way. No, it's fine. Uh, We're I'm, just saying how busy you were. Yeah, I'm so gonna leave a three star review on Yelp.com. <laughs> so, the 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 girls get home. They pick up uh, their brother on the way. And Veronica takes the Ouija board out of her bag and it's been split in half during the seance. It's like ripped clean down the middle. If that isn't a bad sign, I don't know what is. That means they've not closed the game, Will. And you know what happens when you've not closed the game? It means you're inviting demons and spirits to come and... This moment's getting very intense. <laughs> you're leaning in closer towards me. I can't remember the word. Possess. <laughs> to come and possess you. But this is also a bad sign as well. She leaves it in her rucksack and puts it on top of a on top of a wardrobe in her bedroom. When she leaves the room, she hears a, a light thud, and then she goes back in, finds that the bag has fallen on the floor. Want to know why? Because they've not closed the game. Yep. And then she's confused. She puts it back on top of the wardrobe, leaves, thud again. She's not closed the game. Um, and now, she can't because the board is broken. So she's, basically, she's just fucked. You know what? You may as well just. Um, no, I'm not going to say that. Just end the horror film now and die. <laughs> <laughs> because the writing's kind of on the wall here now, isn't it? But she leaves the Ouija board in the bag under her bed now, telling her large rainbow-coloured plush snake to keep an eye on it. I thought that was quite a cute touch. So dinner is served as the kids talk about the solar eclipse. But Veronica is struggling to eat with her hand shaking as she tries to keep the food on her Oh, fork. this bit really creeps me out. It is. I'm a bit funny about food anyway, mm. but it just looks like it's cold. Yeah, well, it, 
it's yeah, it's a film set. It probably is cold as well. And like, well, you know how I feel about cold things that should be hot. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there's a joke in there somewhere. Audience, please find that joke for me. So after some struggling, she does manage to put the food in her mouth, but she starts dribbling the sauce everywhere. Oh. It's like hanging in her mouth. Uh. And I swear there's like more sauce on her mouth than on her plate now. Oh, don't. It's gross. It, it's, yeah, it's freaky. Props to the actress as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. she's very good. Very good. Because it does freak me out yeah. a lot. I can't look at it. But you know what? While we're here, I think all the cast are great. I think um, yeah, Sandra... Yeah. Uh, Escasino who plays Veronica she's brilliant in this film she is it all feels very very natural it it doesn't feel like they're acting in a film if that makes sense they all feel like they're a genuine family yeah there's a real connection to all of the siblings as well and even to the mother when she's able to rarely like uh, share the screen with with the rest of the family Um, and what happens is that uh, her sister walks in uh, holding a milk carton she gets freaked out by Veronica shaking drops the milk carton and once the spilt milk touches Veronica's foot, she appears to snap out of this trance. She goes to clean herself up in front of the bathroom mirror and finds red scratch marks on her shoulder as well. Oh, that's never a good sign. Mm. Veronica's friend Rosa rings up the house with her sister answering the phone. Veronica gets annoyed asking why she didn't hand the phone over to her, with her sister explaining that Rosa can't come out and hang out tonight as she's got errands to do and that she didn't want to talk to Veronica. Veronica rings Rosa's number back and the mother picks up who says that Rosa isn't there anymore because she's gone out with Diana. Rosa's mother thought that all three of them were meeting up. Oh, teenage drama. It's like uh, me- it's like Mean Girls but with Spectres. Yeah. Mm. Boo, you <laughs> Have any of you ever felt personally uh, victimised by, by Rosa? And then Veronica just lifts her hands up in the gymnasium. <laughs> Later that night, as Veronica gives Antonito a bath, she hears a crashing sound in the other room. She goes to tell off her sisters, only to find that they're on the opposite side of the apartment where the noise came from. Veronica goes to a bedroom where the ceiling lamp is flickering and the door slams shut, locking her inside. She manages to force the door open as Antonito is crying for help in the bath. The bath water, now boiling hot. Like, steam is, like, filling up the bathroom in the apartment as well. Oh, poor baby. Veronica does manage to get him out of the water, but his skin is now burnt red. And it's not, like, a gory effect. It is, like, a... relatively quite a subtle effect but it's like you, yeah it's but we fit, all know yeah. the pain you feel I, exactly when you accidentally make a bath too hot yeah and it, it feels painful it looks painful the kid's really good in this like yeah. d- being dragged out of this like boy like really warm bath water it's kind of that's just a general parental fear i imagine and veronica puts him to bed rubbing a, a cream onto his skin and apologizing for leaving the water so hot but antonito assures her that it wasn't her who did it and that he won't wet the bed tomorrow how fucking scary is so, that? Kids yeah. pick up everything. Exactly. One of those things is good. One of those things is bad. Don't worry, Veronica. It wasn't you that did it. What the fuck? What? That would be me picking everybody up and getting out of the house. I'd leave this apartment. a very bad review on Yelp.com. <laughs> so Veronica does the washing up and gets spooked when the TV in the living room turns on on its own. Oh, I've had that happen to me before. Not oh, yeah. in the haunted house. In my friend's house. And there was a few of us there, and there was, we was having a sleepover, and her room was massive, so we were all sleeping in her room. And um, her TV changed channel by itself. And it, we were watching Amityville Horror. Can oh, you believe it? God. Yeah, we were watching that, and then all of a sudden, it changes channel to Rihanna's Rude Boy video. <laughs> and it made us all jump out of our skin. But speaking of uh, great music, uh, the TV channel that uh, this TV has changed to now 
is uh, is an advert. It's playing a catchy jingle for Centella, which is apparently a real Spanish advert from the early 90s for like a, a cleaning product, like a special cleaning cloth that you use to, to clean surfaces and stuff. <laughs> And I'll put a little thing. Sentaya. Sentaya. The da 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 Sentella. Something like that. I couldn't. I, I actually went on YouTube uh, and I couldn't find the original advert. But there's forum posts of people from 2018, 2017 when this film came out, like posting the link, like being like, "Is this real?" And yes, this is absolutely real. I've got another ghost story for you in a bit if you want. Um, We'll save it for the next um, spooky set piece. Why am I constantly being haunted? What have I done wrong in life? When you were playing that Stones game when you were a kid. (laughs) You invited him. Yeah, so when you were like, oh, um, are you going to haunt me for the rest of my life? The Stones said yes. And you you really... (laughs) I didn't close the game. Exactly. You you didn't pick, pick this one up. Freaked out by everything that's happening, Veronica takes the bag containing the Ouija board and takes it from under her bed and puts it in her wardrobe. Great, now her clothes are going to get all spooky. So Veronica puts headphones on and relaxes by listening to some more 90s Spanish rock. And an unknown amount of time later, sometime later that night, Veronica is jolted out of her sleep by a presence in the room. She looks to her right to find herself staring at her reflection in a mirror, a mirror on the inside of the wardrobe door containing the bag having somehow been opened. Veronica is drawn to something whispering her name in the wardrobe. But Don't do it. No, but, but in this case, it's not a spirit. It's her two younger sisters hiding in the wardrobe, frightened of something. The wardrobe door slams shut on its own, and Veronica turns around, holding her torch and finding a naked old man in the room, whispering her name over and over again. And fuck, this, this creeped me out. This yeah, was the sca- scary. This, for me, this was the scariest scene in the film. Because it... And apparently it's her dad as well. Like she goes, Dad, as she's like, as she's backing away. Uh, and then a black claw grabs Veronica from behind and pulls her onto the bed with several demonic hands emerging from the bed, restraining her as her father, turning into a black skinned demon, like, like pitch black, like coal black, uh, reaches out to her. Then Veronica lurches awake, having awoken from this nightmare. And Antonito is at the foot of her bed, apologizing for wetting the bed again. That's the least of our worries. Yeah, but yeah, this was the this was the creepiest uh, scene. In the yeah, film for it's me. very scary. It starts to ramp up now because mm-hmm. it's quite a slow burner, but you know it's dropping little hints for you. Yeah, and you know it's and it just starts to ramp up. This is where it starts to get pretty scary. Yeah, like I I think this came out before the Gerald's Game adaptation on Netflix from Mike Flanagan, but it get, it kind of reminded me of that where uh, over the course of that film, spoiler warning, there's a weird creepy entity like just watching from the corner of the room and it's like in shadow and it's like it and it just it feels wrong and this random old man who's apparently her dad just naked in the corner of the room barely illuminated by the torchlight really creepy really scary that that freaked me out do you want my final ghost story oh go on actually i've got another two no you're just was, full of them i told you i'm just being constantly haunted it's never ending so this one back in the haunted house um, I was having a sleepover with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it was back in the day when you used to use LimeWire, that virus thing. Oh, the spirits got into the into your computer virus. <laughs> so, so we were downloading some songs. And I was just leaving it to download them all. Mm-hmm. And then we went into the front room 
in the computer because it was a family computer at the time back in the day where you had family computers. Mm-hmm. Um, when you used to have a whole room in the house dedicated to the computer. To computer yeah. yeah. Um, we went in to see the front room and um, all of a sudden the computer just started playing the theme from the Poltergeist. <laughs> we didn't even download the song. Maybe it was a virus or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But right. it scared the shit out of us. If you'd have told me that the music, that the, the computer just started playing Cynthia... So, uh, from the speakers, I would have believed that as well. No, um, the Pottergeist, I think it's the Pottergeist theme. It's a little girl singing, isn't it? I can't remember, it might be. Do you want me to, should we do do a live check now? Pottergeist theme real quick. Yeah, little girls, like, I'm I'm certain. Yeah, I was going to say, you look like you need an exit. You're like convulsing in the seat. (laughs) That's it? Yes. Yeah. Who composed this? Is this John Williams? That's it. Told you. No, this is Jerry Goldsmith, composer Jerry Goldsmith, who did um, Gremlins. Gremlins. uh, Oh, God, turn it off. It's still freaking me out. Damn you, Jerry Goldsmith. But yeah, um, so that started playing on its own can you imagine mm. how scared we were oh sorry um jerry he did the um the universal theme you know da, 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 da. so antonito has apologized for wetting the bed again but it's also eight thirty, as they are late for school now so they run as fast as they can to school barely making it in time at school veronica's class is learning about the poem collection legends by gustavo adolfo becker a tldr spanish poet romanticist and legends is a compilation of supernatural religious poems i'm sure there's some symbolism in there during this class veronica notices her friend rosa ignoring her and rosa starts rolling up a piece of paper presumably to pass a note on to veronica only for her to pass it on to diana instead oh shit Burn. drama well, we see at the beginning of the film that she passes Veronica a note mm. throughout class. Yeah. Been betrayed. She's now the third wheel of the friendship now. Veronica asks to be excused to go to the bathroom, but she walks straight past it and investigates the basement where the seance took place. And she finds the photograph of her father that she left behind there. In the basement, she finds Sister Death, played by Consuelo Trujillo, who scorns her for doing the ritual. She also asks Veronica what she's holding, as she doesn't need eyes to see. She warns Veronica that she will need to protect her siblings, as something that is definitely not her father has latched onto her. Tú tienes hermanos, ¿verdad? Tres. Pues tendrás que protegerlo. Sister Death tries to pray the entity out of Veronica and also randomly starts sniffing her hair, with Veronica being saved by the bell and heading back to class. In the hallway, Veronica spots Diana and Rosa talking to a teenager outside riding a motorbike. And for some reason, I got flashbacks to Tragedy Girls, where you had um, Josh Hutchison as the cool motorbike teenage guy who refers to himself in the third person. Um, He and Diana leave, and Veronica manages to talk to Rosa outside. And it seems that she has been ignoring her because of what happened yesterday. Diana... Diana comes back and lets Veronica know that Rosa is hosting a party this weekend because her parents are out, something Veronica wasn't meant to know. And she gets a pity invite now, but that's that's got a sting. 
Like, oh, well, I guess you can come. Girls you can are make mean, it. man. Girls. I know. I was one. Like, well, I mean, I'm st- well, I'm still female. Yeah. But I, I was a teenage girl. Well, if there's one thing we've learned from this film, it's that it's not the spirits you need to be afraid of. It's just your teenage girlfriends, basically. That they're, they're the real horror. The kids at home do their homework, uh, with Veronica yelling at Atanito to leave the room because of his loud game of Simon, which is the the circular game with the different uh, coloured pads, and you have to follow the pattern. You have to you have to copy the pattern. Oh, like Simon Says. Yeah, that, the game is called Simon, but it, it is Simon Says basically. Simon Says, raise your left arm. <laughs> <laughs> Simon <laughs> Says, raise your left arm. Simon says, haunt that sister lady. Thank you. <laughs> I promise I've only had one gin tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, you've received a, a, a friend, a very, um, a very nice friend, Chloe, has sent a collection of, um, of spirits uh, for Yaz's birthday. <laughs> Not the ghost kind. No, the, no. Gin, the pink gin kind. <laughs> it's, it's both. It's a Trojan horse for actual oh. spirits. Um, um, but this is also, this is like another board game then that's apparently haunted in this movie. You've got the Ouija board and you've got Simon now. So it's because basically just don't play board games. And Veronica remembers Sister Death's warning that she needs to protect her siblings. And she starts tracing Viking protection symbols from her occult magazine onto sheets of paper and hanging them around the apartment. The doorbell rings and its angry neighbour, Josepha, uh, or Josepha, uh, probably going to get the name wrong either way, so you can yell at me no matter what. Uh, and she lives below them, and she's complaining about her swinging lights in the apartment and a black stain that has appeared on the ceiling, right below Veronica's bedroom. As Veronica hangs out some bedding on the balcony to dry, she notices the teenager who was dancing the other day working at her desk and helping her father out. Distracted by this tender moment, Veronica accidentally drops the bedding, which falls onto the street below. This is my worst nightmare for like living in an apartment. I end up mm. just dropping stuff off the balcony and I'll never see it again. I've got three more ghost stories for you. Had, you had one more ghost story a moment ago. Yeah, I've got three. I've just remembered. So You, you might need to save these for other occult podcasts <laughs> that we do. This is a good one to okay. do. So I'm sure everyone at their school has, has like a ghost story for their school. Mm-hmm. So mine was at a primary school, my primary school. And... Um, th- there was like a little library and it was like a computer library room but there was a set of stairs that led up and then there was like the deputy head's office mm-hmm. in there yeah and there was the <laughs> the story goes right yeah. that um there was a kid um going into the office and the janitor um of the school didn't like children and he mm-hmm. got very mad with this kid and he like shoved him down the stairs and killed him. Ooh. And he like fell down these stairs and like his head split open and there was blood everywhere and anything. Whether that's I don't think it was true. Mm. That was just the the ghost story for that room. And then for that, <laughs> for that, <laughs> and that, then... that that's like a cliffhanger ending if ever I heard one. And then there was um another one where I used to hate going to the toilet on my own. Because the girls' bathroom was supposedly haunted, and one of the doors would swing open and close by itself, and it was supposedly because a young girl died in there. She um, there was a flood, and she got trapped in the in in the cubicle and, oh. and died. Oh. Yeah, drowned. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Oh. Why do kids have these scary stories? But anyway, yeah, 
the 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 kid falling down the stairs one. I can't remember that story properly, but it's it's hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. Pretty scary, isn't it? This is this is working out to be a pretty good Halloween episode because we're hearing all of these. <laughs> This, this creepy activity. I don't have a story. I feel so boring and so unevent. It's so, so uneventful. I've obviously just opened a chasm in the world, Will, and yeah. something is just Latched constant, onto, yeah. yeah, constantly haunting me. Clearly, mm. Veronica grabs the apartment keys to head outside to get the blanket and hears someone whispering her name on one of her sister's walkie-talkies. And Antonito's game of Simon starts flashing Ooh. in the other room. As a voice on the radio warns Veronica that she let the demon in. A black figure appears in the girl's bedroom. So, a quick bit of geography, just in case you've not seen the film and might be struggling to follow. The apartment, from what I can tell, is like a U-shape, basically. So from one end of the apartment, you can look across, like, um, the balcony to the other side of the apartment. So sometimes she's able to see things on the other side of the apartment, even though she's not actually nearby it. Veronica runs to the rescue and turns on the bedroom light, only to find nothing amiss in the bedroom and the two girls are absolutely fine. She switches the light back off and goes to leave, only for Simon to start flashing again. She also spots... <laughs> she also Sorry, sp- that's the game. I thought you meant like just a random guy. Oh, Simon, <laughs> Simon it's you. Flashing. Oh, oh, don't mind him. That's because Simon, he's just the local crazy man. So she spots a shadow on the wall in the shape of a person moving its way across the room. And this is a really cool effect because it's this is just uh, like it's it's one of those shadows that's slightly bent out of proportion because of the light sources and it looks really cool as it's making a way across the room leaving a black stain on the walls behind it and also in what i call a fucking power move it sets fire to the pieces of paper with the viking protection symbols veronica locked in place by the entity cries out to lucia as the shadowy hand moves up her bed sheets before emerging at the top and clutching lucia's throat veronica breaks free and goes to help waking lucia up from her nightmare with veronica is it lucia or lucia uh i am in way too deep so if it, it it could be either i am probably wrong feel free to correct me in the comments but i'm in too deep to change it now so veronica tells the kids to move their mattresses to the living room and they'll all be sleeping there together at a nice little slumber party in the living room but lucia can't sleep and asks veronica why she was choking her but Veronica assures her that she didn't do it and that it was some sort of spirit, but that she'll protect her because she's the oldest. This is a nice little tender uh, sister-to-sister moment. I like this scene quite a bit. Yeah, it's cute. So later that night, Veronica wakes up and investigates the source of more whispering. At uh, kind of this point in the film, like it's not a long film, but at this point, it, with so many back-to-back creepy things going on, I'm just thinking, nah, just don't, don't investigate. Either just stay put or get out of there. Don't go and investigate it. So she heads down the corridor and looks through the window to the other half of the apartment, only to see another black demon mirroring her movements and also walking down the adjacent corridor. Oh, Veron- it is. It's, it, this, and it's, she's also got um, uh, this weird glass wall as well. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, a partition wall. A partition wall. There we go. This is why we bring you along. Not just for the ghost <laughs> stories, but for your architectural Infinite knowledge. Infinite wisdom. Exactly. Um, Veronica goes back to the living room where the demon is standing on the other side of the glass door. The children hide behind Veronica who holds a cross up. I think it's just a kitchen utensil that she's like repurposed into a cross. Uh, Only for their mother to walk in the door instead. Though the outlines don't match up. The big like shadow behind the glass door. Um, Her mother opens the door and she's like a a foot shorter than the shadow. So it's not a case of mistaken identity. I thought that was a really cool, 
really cool moment. Veronica finds it difficult to explain the situation that the mother's just walked in, especially with Veronica's sisters claiming that it was a ghost that only Veronica can see, which dissuades Anna from calling the police. Everyone gets sent to their respective bedrooms, and Anna confronts Veronica wanting an explanation, and Veronica comes clean about using a Ouija board to talk to her dad, which upsets Anna, who tells Veronica that she needs to grow up. The next morning, Veronica is woken up by her siblings jumping on the bed, saying they're hungry and hungry, and then they proceed to try and eat her, and start biting her arms and fingers, and and Antonito's trying to strangle her, as everyone's just laughing. This must have been a fun day to shoot. This must have been fun for the kids. Like, oh, eat the... Just just gobble up your sister, everyone. Uh, Anna also stands over uh, Veronica's bed and watching it happen. She stretches her arm out, casting a shadow on Veronica's body. And when the hand, uh, when the hand's shadow reaches Veronica's crotch, Anna clenches her fist and blood starts showing through the bedsheets. Veronica then wakes up, having gotten her first period. Veronica tries to clean up the blood stain on the mattress, but turns it over and finds black burn marks on the underside. Veronica goes to Antonito's bedroom and puts a book away that he was looking at because he can't read, apparently. But he insists that his dad came to read it to him and that he's going to take him away to where he lives. Oh, poor baby. But this is like the whole, like, the kids are just so accepting of stuff that's happening because he's really nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah. Well, yeah, he just thinks it's his dad. He doesn't know it's some creepy-ass demon. Exactly. And Veronica makes Antonito promise that if that if his dad does come back, to not listen to him and to yell for her instead. Veronica then notices a black mark emerging from the side of Antonito's bed. She lifts up his mattress only to find a human-shaped black pattern underneath. She checks the mattresses of the girls' beds as well and finds the same thing there. And that's pretty creepy. Very creepy. Veronica takes the kids out of the apartment to their mother's workplace, which hasn't opened yet, giving the kids to her, basically saying you deal with them, uh, and saying that she has to go to Rosa's. Instead, she heads to the school to talk with Sister Death in the basement, who reveals that she blinded herself to try and stop her from seeing the shadows. She explains that crosses won't work because God has nothing to do with this. And I like this. She's like, leave God out of this. No, he's got nothing to do with this. (laughs) Just leave him out of this. You got yourself into this mess. You got to get yourself out of it. Exactly. This isn't God. This is something else. This is some demon. And she needs to cast them out the same way they came in with the Ouija board. But before Sister Death can help her anymore, a teacher comes to take her away, with Sister Death only cryptically telling Veronica that the answers that she seeks are in the books and, quote, you have to write what you did wrong. Veronica goes through the occult magazine to try and find the instructions, with one page partially burnt. This was the candle that fell over at the beginning of the film. And because the page is partially burnt, the page warns that one should not end a seance without, and the rest of the sentence is missing. So, without closing the game. Oh, oh, let's, oh let's, hold your horses, Yaz. Let's see if this is if you're right here. So she goes out and buys another copy of the magazine. And I liked that, even though it was written in Spanish, I knew what it said. It was a big sticker on it that says, as seen on TV. And I thought that was really funny. It's on TV, so this occult magazine is clearly legit. She buys another magazine, which also comes with a Ouija board. And she gets to the missing paragraph, which warns that you must not finish a seance without saying goodbye, 
whatever you don't say goodbye to stays with you. So yeah, you, she needed to close the close the gate. Basically. Yeah, I told you, I'm not messing with Ouija boards. You yeah. Do not invite that shit into your life. And this is coming from the one ghost expert of this podcast. <laughs> Veronica heads to Rosa's where this house party is taking place, and Veronica insists that the three have to do the séance again. But Rosa isn't having any of it. Veronica winds up getting kicked out of the party after Cock blocking Diana's hookup and slapping someone who tried to restrain her. Outside, Rosa reveals what Veronica was whispering after the Ouija board caught fire during the seance, that she's going to die in three days. And the seance was three days ago, so basically times against her. Yeah, (laughs) you could have told me this earlier. A distraught Veronica wanders the streets, maybe hallucinating seeing a mirrored version of herself, and picks up her siblings from her mother's bar. She tries to talk to her mother and tries to convince her to close today so they can run away somewhere. But Anna says they can't close now and they'll do something nice tomorrow. This is the, the, the one day before retirement thing. Veronica takes the kids home and, desperate to rid herself of the demon before her potential death, decides to hold another seance with her siblings, claiming that it's just a fun game that they're going to play. She instructs Antonito to draw the Viking symbols from the magazine on the wall and the girls to move the furniture to clear space for them. As Veronica sellotapes the old Ouija board together, Antonito is drawing the symbols on the wall, but decides to change the pages and starts drawing a different symbol from a different page. A symbol of invocation. Oh man, little dude, if you'd have just done what your sister had told you. A rookie mistake, and he's also, but he's doing a good job up until that point as well. Like 10 out of 10, little, little artist, just drawing on the walls. The three sisters place their hands on the glass, the planchette in this case, and starts the seance, with Antonito just watching from a nearby armchair. It doesn't take long for freaky shit to start happening, with candles blowing out, the door opening, and the planchette moving. Veronica requests the spirit leaves, but it replies no on the board. Following the instructions in the magazine, they decide to sing a song, but it needs to be a song that they all know so they can sing it together. And Antonito, the legend that he is, suggests the Santella TV jingle. So the camera is doing this 360 rotation from the middle of the board looking at all of the the family as they just sing this cleaning jingle that they've heard from TV. And I thought that was actually a really nice little moment as well. It's it's a scary scene, but they've got this nice little uh, cleaning jingle throughout it. And throughout the apartments, there's screaming and disturbances taking place. And after a few rotations of the camera, the candles blow out. The Ouija board rips in half and the glass they were using as a planchette tips over and starts rolling out of the room. Veronica goes to follow the glass down the apartment corridor, but Veronica's bedroom door is obstructing it, and the glass is, like, knocking on the door. Like, it's going back and forth, back and forth. She opens the door, the glass moves forward, traversing over the carpet as well, and Veronica finds her bloodied mattress now with more black burn marks. She goes to touch the stains, only for a black arm to reach out of the mattress and grab a hold of her. A black demon starts crawling out of the mattress as Veronica runs back to her siblings and the lights are exploding in the corridor. Veronica then calls the police and this is the phone call we heard at the beginning of the film. 
Antonito goes to investigate the pantry doorway through the kitchen and gets grabbed by the demon and taken away. This is a really good jump scare. Veronica follows and smashes the bathroom window after seeing the demon walk past on the other side. She climbs through but hits the bathroom ground hard. Antonito is just sat in the corner of the bathroom and Veronica manages to carry him back out into the living room. The black figure appears in the room and the family flee the apartment, the crucifix hanging from the wall, falling as they run past it. At Anna's bar, she notices the police cars and sirens driving past, heading in the direction of her apartment, and despite the pouring rain outside, she runs after them. The kids make their way to the apartment entrance, Veronica carrying Antonito in her arms, but as Lucia and Irene make it outside, they ask Veronica where Antonito was gone, and Veronica looks in a nearby mirror, only to find that she's holding on to nothing, so she runs back to go inside and get him. Oh, baby. Uh, not Antonito. No. Anna arrives to find two of her daughters crying outside, uh, near the police who have shown up as well. Veronica is now back inside the apartment um, as it just starts falling apart around her. She makes her way to the bathroom, sees Antonito get dragged behind the shower curtain by the shadowy demon, and then the demon just backhands her into a nearby mirror, which cracks and shatters with a large shard breaking off into the sink. Antonito runs out, Veronica takes the broken mirror fragment and follows him. And the demonic entity follows Veronica down the corridor as she tries to find Antonito, who is hiding in her wardrobe, repeatedly chanting her name. And it turns out he's following Veronica's instructions to call out to her if his father tries to talk to him again. Oh, poor baby. It's actually a really great reveal. It's, yeah, really nice moment. Well, I say nice. Everything, it's scary. Everything is going tits up. Veronica looks in her wardrobe mirror and sees the demonic entity is her. She flashes back to her actions over the course of the film, revealing that she's been hurting her siblings the whole time while possessed by this entity. With this revelation, Veronica takes the mirror shard and goes to stab herself in the neck, only for the entity to stop her and forces its black hand into her screaming mouth. The police walk in, and this is the sight that they saw at the beginning of the film that was off camera. They see Veronica floating, her mouth wide open, with the demon being invisible to them, before dropping to the floor. The police find Antonito and take him outside and call for a medic for Veronica. She's taken out on a stretcher, still conscious in the back of the ambulance as her mother tries to talk to her. In the apartment, the detective finds a framed photo of Veronica has fallen on the floor. He picks it up only for it to burn his fingers and the picture sets on fire. And the detective hears on his radio that Veronica has died. At the police station, the detective sits in front of a typewriter, struggling to find a way to write up his report of what he saw. And... As we mentioned at the beginning of the film, this is meant to be based on a true story, and on-screen text explains what really happened, with police receiving an emergency uh, emergency call on June 15th, 1991, and they attend the scene. The family said that after a seance and an encounter with a Ouija board, that the girl had several strange symptoms and paranormal events were taking place throughout the house. Two of the inspecting officers had to leave the building due to sickness and nausea, and they had to take two weeks off work. Detective Romero requested a transfer a month later. In his report, he wrote seeing, quote, literally inexplicable events in that apartment. The text is overlaying supposed real-life crime scene photos of the destroyed apartment, the broken mirror with the shard missing, the living room where the seance took place, and even the burnt photo of Veronica. And that's the end of the film. Oof.
basically it builds up to a very intense and pretty complicated final 10 15 minutes but it's good though it's um it's a good film mm-hmm. and it is scary i'll give it that mm. it is a scary film especially towards the end yeah because um, um, you're so invested in the characters now yeah and it's also good because you're um invested in the family like the family unit as well like this is a real like strong sibling bond that they've all got together yeah and it, yeah and you you're rooting for them to make out alive um but let's talk about the real story behind veronica so this film is inspired by the the unfortunate death of um estefania gutierrez lazaro uh who apparently was caught with doing a séance with one of her friends at school who was trying to communicate with her dead boyfriend who died in a motorcycle crash uh, motorcycle accident a few months prior. Uh, teachers interrupt the seance, and when they do, they see some sort of black smoke coming out of the board and going into her body. And over the course of several months, like this is six, seven, eight months, um, she starts um, uh, getting ill, she goes to the hospital with strange symptoms, and paranormal stuff starts happening around the apartment. Basically, the film Veronica truncates all of this stuff over the course of three days. Uh, Apparently, this stuff really happened to this this young girl. Uh, And what happened was that um, she was taken into hospital and uh, she died. And I've looked quite a bit into this story. And when describing the plot there, I say supposed real-life crime scene photos. Because I think a few of them are staged. Because the burnt photo of Veronica is completely different than what... Uh, is the actual photo and this is the actual photo on screen uh, i'll pop a link to it in the podcast description but apparently that really did happen but it's a freaky photo it is now um i have a couple of theories about this uh, i've done some some deep dive rig- um investigative journalist if, if you if you may <laughs> um and uh, there's some because this became quite a big like local urban legend where they recently they even like did a 20th anniversary um, like special on it happening uh, no sorry not 20th anniversary because like an 18th anniversary special uh, they did it like a year or two ago and I was able I watched that news report it, it's written in Spanish with subtitles where they talk about the family they talk to their family members about what happened and uh, the family is a very religious family and we've talked about um, this like before the, the idea of like if, if you uh, maybe are presupposed to believing in things like spirits and exorcisms and and things like that, then you might be mentally more likely to go along with this this story that some supernatural event happened. Um, but I think, like looking at footage of the apartment where all of this stuff took place, it's kind of it's safe to say that the family uh, were living in poverty. It was a very messy, very uh, un- like very uh, cramped apartment as well, with lots of black mold. There was uh, mold. There's mold and stuff under the mattresses. That stuff was real. Oh. That that was absolutely real. And also, one thing that could have been happening in the area at around the same time was a leak of carbon monoxide. Oh, oh dear. And that so and that stuff can cause hallucinations. It, yeah, can yeah. cause illnesses. It would also exp- causes death. Yeah, it would also explain why the police officers who attended the scene they go nauseous. Yes, they go into the apartment. They're not used to that environment, and they feel ill. If that is true, we don't really know why the younger uh, siblings weren't affected. If the mother's out um, all the time for work, she might not feel that. Fuck off. So. <laughs> Obviously, this is this is brilliant radio, but the ceiling lamp just flickered. 
And Yas is now clutching onto my hand. So yeah. Um, so. Oh boy. So terrifying now. Okay, so is this recording of the Monster Monday podcast for Halloween going to be my first ever supernatural encounter? <laughs> Shut up! Stop talking about it. Okay, so yeah, so, um, and it would seem that the theory could, my theory at least, is that maybe over the course of several months in this um, in this apartment, um, um, Estefania maybe was was very ill with with um, carbon monoxide poisoning. Maybe she already had like an asthma or some sort of. Um, pre-existing condition that might have made her particularly susceptible to it. And because she came from a very religious family, they might have bought into this idea of the Ouija board, of of, of, of getting a potential exorcism or, and things like that. So like, director Paco Plaza has, has come out to say that this isn't meant to be like a documentary. This isn't meant to be an accurate retelling of the events that happened to that uh, to that girl. This is basically uh, this is an embellishment where yeah. it uses that as a framework to tell this different kind of story. Uh, and I think on that front, it it is a very like tangential link. Like the film saying this this is based on true events. Here, here's the real crime scene photos, and the crime scene photos they're shown in the film do not line up with the news footage I saw of the apartments that were that was done by local news around the time of her death I, I maybe some of them are real some of them are staged but I, either way not all of them are from what I could tell um, but it's still an interesting hook it, it still got attention this film did quite well on the festival circuit it won and was nominated for quite a few awards um, the actress who plays Veronica was like nominated for a lot of like rising star awards I'm not surprised but- she's amazing she's terrific in this yeah she's really good I hope she goes on to do like way more like great things as well um, and it was a, a modest box office success in its native territory, was quite well reviewed, and made it to Netflix, where you had the hype of, this is the scariest movie ever. And we, we, we briefly talked about this last week, the idea of, like, maybe this is a film that maybe not many horror fans, uh, maybe, maybe not many people who watch films will have watched horror films. This could be one of their introductions to the genre, so it naturally freaks them out way more than it maybe should. If that makes sense, because it's so yeah, accessible. like if you don't watch horror all the time, it will be like absolutely terrifying. Yeah, like, I I know that there's a quite a few people because you've you've told me uh, listeners that you don't uh, watch many horror films, but you listen to this podcast. So first of all, we massively appreciate you, uh, but also I think this is the type of film where I wouldn't introduce someone to horror with it unless it, you want to give them a heart attack. Unless, <laughs> yes, unless you really want to prank them. Um, but it it also isn't so extreme and hardcore that it like i, I think uh, if you have watched like lots of possession films or exorcism films spiritual films this is drawing on very similar yeah tropes. it's um no but it's i think it's really effective though yeah. i think it's one of the the good ones oh yeah because yeah. there are a lot of bad ones out there yeah um it's definitely one of the good ones but like i say when you watch horror films all the time it's not like the scariest film ever but it is really freaky yeah it, it takes recognizable tropes and plot points and elements and just really refines it really well yeah it refines them into a really endearing family like like family drama basically a family tragedy and I, I I recommend it. Like I said, not as maybe your introduction to um, to horror. And it's it, it's also just some really great filmmaking, some really great shots and direction, some great practical effects, really strong performances. I yeah, I, Veronica's really good. It holds up. I I haven't seen it since that initial ta- yeah when we watched it a few years ago on the hype train because um, we were 
maybe we liked it, but we were a bit let down because we were maybe expecting a bit more from the hype. But watching it now, I think it's, it holds up really well. Yeah, I was expecting to have to turn it off, but no, we made it to the end of the film. Mm. <laughs> so, I've run out of tea, so before we get some any more supernatural occurrences during recording... Would you like my last ghost story? Oh, please do, and I'll prepare the wheel for the next episode, yeah? <laughs> okay, so, I went on a ghost hunting trip with me nana and a friend Okay. in, in York. We went to the Golden Fleece first, which is the most haunted pub in, in Britain. I mean, you have been there. We have been yes. there. It has a sign. It's the most haunted pub. Didn't see out there. Mm-hmm. And then we moved on to another pub. Anyway, we, we asked if we could look around um, to go to ghost hunting, basically. And they was like, yeah, sure. So we did. And um, I, I got a really weird feeling in, the, in this pub. It, I didn't feel right. I felt quite ill mm-hmm. and really nervous about something. But I couldn't put my finger on what it was anyway we made our way upstairs into this one room and I got into this room and I felt so poorly Mm -hmm. and it just came on all of a sudden and so I and I remember saying to my nana and and her friend I was like I I really need to sit down like I can't lift my head up it really hurts yeah something is pressing my neck and I and they were watching me and I literally couldn't lift my head up so I was in a permanent like with my head down Mm. and I was like I need to get out of here it's giving me headache and it's really hurting my neck so anyway they they had a a look around and I left the room anyway we went downstairs for a drink afterwards and um my nana went up to the bar and and said oh um do you have any ghosts in here have you got any ghost stories and I was like yeah we do actually we've all seen some things and started telling us the freaky things that have been happening and they said here's a booklet on it we've got a little booklet Mm -hmm. um so we took it to the table and started reading it and I shit you not in that room that we were in somebody fell out of the window and broke their neck so that's why you couldn't lift your head up yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah uh. Yeah, and um, yeah, some, yeah, somebody, I think it was a, a young woman, um, I, th- I can't remember if she was pushed or something, murdered, like, um, pushed out the window or something. Anyway, she they ended up breaking their neck um, from falling out this window and died, mm. and yeah, so... Oh, oh boy, freaky. happy Halloween. Yeah, everybody. happy Halloween. Um, oh, that's a good one, that's a creepy one. And as soon as I left the room, the the pain had gone, the headache had gone, the pain had gone. I could lift my head up again and everything. So to read that in the booklet, and we hadn't researched it beforehand because we didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just wanted to go there and see if anything happened. Anyway, that freaked me out, and I was like, "Nope, I'm noping out of this. I'm mm-hmm. choosing not to believe." <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So, folks, thank you for joining us on this episode of Monster Monday. This this Halloween special, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you enjoyed Yaz's ghost stories. If you have any of your own, <laughs> please let us know. Um, but uh, before... and if you think I'm a crazy, uh, crazy cat, please don't tell me. I was going to say, yeah, yeah <laughs> don't let her know that one. Um, just keep it to yourself. Yes, either keep, either keep it to yourself or just fake positive affirmation. Yeah, please. please. My yeah. my ego can't take it. So um, Halloween is probably my favourite holiday. Uh, I don't know about Halloween. yours. Halloween. Is it yours? Hello. Definitely one. It's up there. Yeah. Along with my birthday and my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone else's Christmas. My personal Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, Halloween's cool. So, um, just a quick message. We are currently in an area, 
I don't know if you've heard about the UK, but coronavirus is pretty fucking bad here. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and have, we have the lockdown, the best lockdown. We we have <laughs> tier systems in place. Um, you can Google it if you're not in Britain. It's a it's really confusing to explain. Otherwise, mm. basically. Tier 3 is the worst tier that you can be in, and mm-hmm. we are currently in Tier 3, which means we are not allowed to see anyone outside of our household. Yeah. We can't go to restaurants. You can only go to the pub with your household if they're serving a substantial meal, whatever the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's loads of other really bad things. But you can still go shopping. As long as you're spending money, Rona's not going to get you. Yep, yep. Um, so... Basically, for most of this year, we've seen no one but each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been very strange. So, um, it is a tough time for everyone. Mm-hmm. And everybody's mental health is taking a big batter in this time. Um, so, if you are struggling, uh, we hope this helps a little bit. Yeah. And feel free to reach out to us because, you know, we know it's tough. We're finding it tough. It's strange times. And just take care of yourself. Make sure you've been happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe, hopefully, my ghost stories will cheer you up a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, they're not cheering me up because I'm. I now have to like share the house with you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, You're now scared. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone else is going to be fine, but I'm the one in the in the splash zone. <laughs> So yeah, if anything happens to me, yeah, you're going to be the witness. Exactly that. And I'll just come back as a ghost and say the husband did it. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows, maybe um, once this recording is all done, this is like the cryptic um, uh, audio uh, that plays before the eventual horror film of um, of what happened of to our us. our lives. Oh, yeah, exactly. Take that back, take that back, take that back. We're yeah. not jinxing ourselves. Oh, no, we're not. Touch wood, touch wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. okay. Um, but anyway, Halloween is my favourite time of year, so I'm not letting it dampen my spirits. Yes. You know, October is the best month for me. Mm-hmm. I have my birthday. I um, It is my Libra energy coming <laughs> yeah. out. And <laughs> yeah. um, we have Halloween. We do, yeah. And um, uh, this year... I will be dressing up to spend it at home. Yeah, yeah. We'll dress in isolation. Up, dress up, have, yeah, we'll dress up, have fun. We'll watch a bunch of horror films, and I, I'm sure things like Nightmare Before Christmas or Hocus Pocus. Oh, and, the best! And a cutesy few, little yeah horror films. Um, yeah, and a, and a few others. They'll probably make their way into the rotation. But whatever your Halloween traditions are, we hope that you're able to uh, adjust or or keep hold of some of them for this year, if possible, or. Failing that, just at least have have a good time, have a fun, creative time, or just whatever whatever it is that you're doing, because these are not normal times at the moment. And if you're old enough, drink yourself into oblivion, like I will be doing. <laughs> uh, exactly that. The party has started tonight, <laughs> so so basically for the next few days, that's what's gonna that's that's gonna be keeping everyone going. This year, I'm hoping to go as Carrie, so mm-hmm. I will share my outfit for you. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram and Twitter. Yep, and this year I'll be going as uh, an obnoxiously loud podcast host. Uh, so that will be my that will be my Halloween costume for this year. <laughs> I, I've still not figured it out. I've, I've got a few like recycled costumes that um, I really needed to do, like a Jason Voorhees or uh, Ed from Shaun of the Dead. No, we've done that one too many times. I, I, I know, but I, I I I was planning to like dress up as like we talked about this a year ago, like dress up as Riddler and like get all the stuff months in advance so I was actually prepared for Halloween. Forgot to do it. Yeah. Yeah, forgot to do it so I don't actually have a co- have a proper costume or anything. We'll figure something out. But we'll still dress up. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, 
we'll listen to spooky music mm-hmm. and uh, have, a, have a good time and eat all the sweets ourselves. Exactly. So uh, the next episode will drop a couple of days after Halloween. And uh, if we're ready, as it's time to spin the wheel and find out what our first post-Halloween movie is going to be. This wheel is, uh, is getting smaller and smaller, as in the amount of movies on it. So, don't worry, we've got plenty more. Yes, yes, we do. Once we've, we've gone through this wheel, we will add plenty more to it. But let's see what we're talking about next Monday. I knew it was going to land on that. Yeah? Yeah. Is it the ghost telling you that again? <laughs> yeah. Welcome psychic again. This time we're going British, we're going homegrown. Yes, what are we talking about we next Monday? We are talking about indie flick, Prevenge, and it is a very funny film. Yes, so this is the, the Alice Lowe, um, uh, low-budget indie um, comedy slasher film, I guess. Yeah, a horror yeah. comedy. Yeah, look, looking forward to talking about this one. We've got it on Blu-ray. I'm looking forward to revisiting this one. I've not seen it for a while. So next week we'll be talking about Prevenge. And I'm sure this time next week Yaz will have 30 more ghost stories <laughs> to regale us. No, I'm all out of ghost stories now. Sorry, sorry guys. Oh, oh, sorry, fam. Oh, okay. So we're going to have to try and build something up over the next year to tell more ghost stories over the over next Halloween. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. So, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. My name is Will. My name is Yaz. Ooh, and also, don't forget to show us your costumes or what you're doing for Halloween. Share yes. your ghost stories on our social medias. What are our social medias, Yaz? Twitter is at MonsterMonPod. And on Instagram, we are Monster Monday Pod. And on Facebook, we are the same as Instagram. So, thanks so much for listening. My name is Will. My name is Yaz. And thank you for listening to the Monster Monday podcast. We'll see you after Halloween. Bye. Bye.